Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Cobblers Catch Up, a handy summary of the week's news in Northampton Town. I'm Tom Reed and this week I'm joined by Wallet Regular and Mr. Shoe Army, Brendan Walsh, uh, plus Welsh Cobbler, Dave Harding. And we've got Keith Buckby from Northampton Town Supporters Trust on the line too. How are you doing, guys? You okay? I'm good, thanks, mate. Good well, stuff, Brendan. You. I saw your goal the other day, and yeah, you're uh, apparently been scouted by cobblers now. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe after after last night, yeah, who knows? But yeah, that was my first uh, first full game back since I've had my shoulder surgery. So, I think we were winning four or five nil when I scored, but I celebrated it like I just won the World Cup final. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, enjoyed that. I think you should celebrate every goal like that. You don't know when the next one's coming sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Let's. Let's move on to Tuesday night's one-all draw with Walsall. Yes, I can hear you groan. We, we do have to talk about it. Uh, classic game of two halves, Brendan, and one of those games you could sort of sense was going to go down the toilet. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did remember saying to my mate, um, I feel like we're going to rue not taking these chances in the first half. But then I'm, I'm sure everybody says that at some point. I don't really know what happened in the second half. We didn't really look... Like we came out and started right, even then the, the goal that they took, um, you know, it's just one of those. This, he's he's finished it from clearing the corner. You can't. Sometimes they happen, and then it just felt like the momentum swung all their way. They were definitely asking more questions, and even with all of that said, we had a chance to to nick it there at the end. It's just it's one of those. Like I'm trying to look at Walsall's form um, to take any kind of solace from it, and and at least we didn't lose. Like. You know, Walsall did go away to Forest Green last weekend and beat them 1-0. So they've, they've had bigger scalps than us in terms of the league table. So, uh, yeah, we, it's the same same issues, uh, same problems. But we just uh, go again and hope we can get a win on, on Saturday now. Yeah, it puts, makes that game even bigger. It's obviously big because of the 125th thing, but it just makes it even bigger. And I think, um, yeah, it should, be, it should be a good game on Saturday. Um, Dave, let's bring you here. You, you drive from... North Wales to a lot of games and so obviously you know maybe you feel it a little bit stronger than than us guys that just sort of pop in from town or whatever but um I saw your two word match review on Twitter which <laughs> made me laugh um I can't really repeat it but if you look at Dave's Twitter it was very funny it did make me chuckle and I, I think it is better than reading a full match report of the game um Dave like what do you think went right in that first half and then what went wrong in the second half to only get a draw out of it First half, obviously it was a lot better than it has been. But I think, I don't know, I don't know if people are overreacting because it's just been that bad recently. Everyone's kind of acting like we turned the corner and the first half was 
amazing. It was a lot better, but I don't think it was great. Because if you look at how many chances we created, we scored a goal that was gifted to us and Pinnock should have scored. But other than that, we didn't really create a lot. We played the ball around much better than we have been. But other than that, I don't think we we threatened. Walsall were all right. I tweeted, what was it, Nelser at halftime saying, I think Walsall have got a goal in them here and that Wilkinson and I backed him next to score. So at least I made a bit of money out of it. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's just second half is how we've been, isn't it, for the last three games? I mean, Rochdale on Saturday was one of the worst games I've seen in a long time. And the second half last night kind of equaled it, didn't it? We just look so devoid of ideas. It's just... We, in my opinion, we miss a Tete. A lot of people don't agree with me, and that's fair enough. But I think he used to hassle defences. He could hold it up. He was good in the air. He was yeah. a one-man band up front for us. And we haven't got that now. We've got three or four much of a muchness strikers who are OK. I don't see any of them having a lot of ability to do one thing well. Aperé runs a lot, fair enough. But I think that's where we're struggling, especially if he's going to keep on playing one up front. He, he can't. We haven't got the personnel to do that. In my mm. opinion, yeah, that, yes, that's a reasonable summary. And um, Keith, you were there as well. Uh, I know you, you know, always a little bit of um, sort of a an issue with how it, it played out, Keith. And we've all seen these games before, haven't we? That whereby Cobblers are doing pretty well, and then you just that second half, you sort of dread it because you just think, you know, when we played that well in the first half, that they're just going to be let back into the game, and, and so it played out, Keith. Uh, well, naively, I was looking forward to the second half. I wasn't dreading it at all until about the first two minutes when it looked like we hadn't really come out after all. Um, it was a classic two halves, really. Walsall did up their game, but we just seemed to be overrun, really. And I agree with most of what Dave said. Um, we just weren't holding the ball up. So a lot of people are looking at midfield, but there's also no, there's no let up if you can't hold the ball up. Um, up top uh, to allow others to come forward and, and support yeah. you. So it, it just, didn't, just didn't seem to be happening. It was funny. I took my, my son and one of his friends came and it was his first time mm. seeing the cobblers. And I think after the first yeah. five minutes, he thought we were we were great. And then uh, I don't think he could wait to go home by the end of it. <laughs> Welcome to the cobblers. You're yeah. stuck now. You've been going to one game. You're stuck. Not as bad as Brendan. You're, um, you took your girlfriend, didn't you, to one of the terrible matches, wasn't it? Yeah, I took I took her to uh, Barrow, <laughs> which is kind of like uh, the end of our recovery in form um, and a real kind of lesson that one. It was a bit of a blip in our in our home form. Uh, but last night, I mean, I came all the way from London last night, and it was one of those when you're on the way back and the tube striking them and they're kind of like half eleven midnight, frozen and wet through, and I was just like, why do I do it? <laughs> but you know, I'm I'll be back there on Saturday, and I'll have, I've got very short term memory, so. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of talk post-match about the centre of midfield and sort of when the transfer window slammed shut, as they say, the, the midfield did look a little bit lightweight and obviously Pollock's gone on loan now. Um, I saw a comment, I think it was from James Hennigan, um, my old mate James, he um, he said that the Cobblers missed Sowerby and um, Sowerby was a you know a huge miss and when he comes back, blah, blah, blah. And, and for me, that's sort of an indication of... A bit of an issue there because like for me Sowerby is more of a squad player and and maybe you'd have a, a pick of three he might be in there one game you know maybe out a game but to rely on him I think he's quite a limited player um Dave alongside McWilliams it just seems 
like that isn't a promotion winning midfield. Is that harsh? I don't know. I completely agree with that. I th- when we got Sowerby, I thought he was gonna he was gonna kick on and become. I don't know. I, I was just had high hopes for him, and he's been better this season. Him and alongside McWilliams, he's been a lot better. But like you say, I just McWilliams, in my opinion, I know he was poor last night, but McWilliams is someone we could build a team around long term. His ball distribution that was poor last night, given that. But he is so good at winning the ball back. If you, yeah. if we, like you say, just get someone creative. We thought it might be Flores, but he was absolutely useless, wasn't he? Let's be honest. Someone like him, but who can actually do it alongside McWilliams, we would stay in the top three, I believe, if we get someone like that. But it's not going to happen now. When you've got Lewis there, who's the most anonymous player I think I've ever seen, week in, week out. He's just, he, I don't know what he does. If I'm completely honest, I just I don't know what he does. And Sowerby is not a lot different, but he he's good on he's better on the ball, isn't he? He makes yeah. us tick a bit. He's not yeah. too, he's not a he's not a match winner, but he makes us tick a bit. And at the moment, the standard in League Two is so bad. Having him and McWilliams together is enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not I'm not completely slating Sowerby at all. I just think that. He, yeah, he, like I said before, he, he's, he's a pick out of one of three in, 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 a, in a full squad, a strong squad, and yeah. um, he's not really one for me that to rely on. Um, Brendan, what do you think about this midfield conundrum? And we've got to deal with what we've got to deal with now, because especially since Pollock's gone out on loan. Um, Sowerbean, you know, how, what do you, what do you think of it all? Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to that first. Uh, if you go back in the the Wallach archives, <laughs> if you go to our um, chat right after the the transfer window and. There was a lot of talk about the wide players and the players up top that we brought in, albeit I thought at the time as well to play a 4-2-3-1. So if you looked at the two midfielders in there, Salby and McWilliams, it's okay, it had been working, but we knew that it, when McWilliams got suspended, there wasn't really, there isn't any like-for-like replacement there. We don't have another player in that mould at all. There's no backup to him. Um, and then Salby, I suppose the backup was... Uh, Lewis and then Flores. Lewis probably deservedly so. He's been dropped the last couple of weeks, and so he's had to get back in. And whilst I want to be a bit more positive than, than Dave, I, I would agree. Like he's just been absolutely like he's just been a ghost the last couple of games. Like he might as well have not not padded up last night. But he might as well have put one of the the youth players in or something. He just looks lost. The ball's all like, always over his head. He can't trap a ball. So and then when McWilliams isn't you know, um, up to his usual tricks next to him. That was the thing. It was The ball just wasn't sticking up top at all. I liked Apere and his work rate in the first half, but he just got bullied by their three massive centre-backs all game. And mm. then we, and there was nothing but um, to then uh, solidify it in the middle. So the one thing I would like to, I would really say to Brady, if I got five minutes with him, is we changed the formation after Barrow and went to back three and bought... Um, uh, McLaurin and yeah. and that that's been better at kind of holding the ball when these teams sit back and defend. But then Walsall weren't sitting back and defending last night. We didn't we didn't have to kind of maintain pressure in their half. We were under the cost for a lot of it, and they were playing three at the back as well. I would have loved to see some uh, more fluidity from Brady. His, his changes were really late. Um, mm. I don't again. I, it was another one of those very similar. You go back to Barrow when everybody felt that the the changes were really odd and really well weirdly timed i don't think anyone would have made the same changes as brady last night it was clear it needed to come earlier he brought on rose with like three minutes to go you know 
all of our strikers are very similar at the moment. Whatever you want to say about that quality, we don't have a, an Atete that can hold the ball up on his own. But uh, mm-hmm. I see a lot of our strikers as the kind of they play off someone and 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 apply pressure and press, but they don't necessarily stick when everything goes up to them in a scrappy game like last night. So I don't yeah. know. It's just it was one of those. There's a lot of square pegs and round holes, and I'm hoping that once we get Salby back and we can move Lewis out and tweak mm-hmm. the formation back a little bit. We'll we'll get back to winning ways, but Saturday's a, a, a massive six pointer now, and I don't really care who plays as long as we get the result. It'd be an interesting tussle with Tranmere. They've got quite a lot of strength and depth at the start of the season. I noticed that, but they might have had a few injuries now. But that'll be a a big game on Saturday. Um, Dave, there was a miss by Mr. Hoskins. Oh. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I saw your your tweets about it. It, that's the thing with Hoskins, isn't it? He'll score that goal where he did that brilliant technique, leant back and, um, you know, scored a curler the other day. And then he'll miss that. And, and, and it is really frustrating, isn't it? It's just how many times can you keep saying it? I don't know. It's, it's so frustrating. And I hate this divide on Twitter. It really does my head in. Oh, you're a Hoskin hater and all, all this absolute nonsense. Nobody hates him. We want him to play well. But he is so inconsistent. It's just infuriating. And he, he's the one alongside Lewis of recent games that seems to play irrelative of his of his performance which then increases everyone's annoyance about him to be honest doesn't it let's be honest and yeah. like you say last week was it last weekend or weekend before that finish was superb it was it was brilliant but then he's back to normal last night with that left-footed effort which went 55 yards over the bar <laughs> and then he, he's missing a header from two yards out that quite honestly it was easier to score wasn't it you'd back yourself to score that and it's just it's infuriating and he's and why why do we let him take free kicks and corners as well i i've never i haven't got my head around that still three or four years down the line i just don't think he's got a good delivery Uh, hoskins is a better player ignoring the two-yard sitter last night where he's not got time to think about it and on free kicks and corners you've got all the time in the world and his delivery is more often than not quite poor so i just i yeah he's won I don't hate him. I want him to do well, but he doesn't do well enough for me to warrant being in the team as often as he has been over the years. I Sadly, I'd agree with that, Dave. I know we were singing his praises the other day when he signed the deal and saying, like, you know, we've, we've got to be, uh, accept this kind of standard sometimes yeah. at our level. But I, that that line, like, he, he's an instinct player. Like, when he doesn't get time on the ball yeah. and, he take, and he does things, like, by instinct, he's, he, more often than not, it's a good product. And I've said a couple of times this season when we've been chasing the game, we've got the best free kick. To, it happened to Barrow, yeah. actually, when he took Kinnock off and Hoskins was everything. And we had a free kick late last night where I think Apre missed a really good chance of a header. And both me and my mates celebrated when Hoskins walked away from it. Because <laughs> we've, got the, we've got the best assist maker in the, in the league and an absolute lethal uh, set-piece taker in Pinnock. And, they, and Hoskins and Pinnock split the um, duties between them. Hoskins on corners, I don't mind him. He's got a few assists from that this season. But why would, when when we've got these different angles to play at three yeah. centre backs who can all head a ball, would you put, would you take Pinnock off it? Like, just, I don't know. he should take every single, is it, we did it with uh, Matty Taylor back in the day. We should, Pinnock should have every free kick and tell Hoskins to go stand outside the box every time. I don't know why they split it 50 50. thing to add on to that on Saturday at Rochdale. McGlore was taking all the free kicks from further back and I like him he's a very good defender but he's not very good on the ball and you've got McGowan there who in my opinion has got the second best delivery at the club after Pinnock 
and he's not a very big lad, McGowan, anyway, is he? So that was no. just confusing me on Saturday as well. Why have you got this centre-half who's not very good technically taking free kicks when you've got McGowan, who's very good technically, not taking them? It's just things like that that really irritate me. And when we play so poorly, I then focus on them, which it makes me even more angry. So mm. it's a vicious circle. But with um, with Hoskins, though, he is definitely he's a, he's a safe signing. Uh, if you're a fairly rookie manager like John Brady is, He's with a bit of a no-brainer uh, signing on. He's his stats are always pretty steady. He's always going to give you a seven out of ten. He pops up with the odd goal here and there. I, I, I can see it, but I can also see that we're trying to we're trying to look for players hopefully that will sustain us in League One and sort of take us up and sort of sustain us at that level. And it's yeah, that inconsistency is is just going to be a problem. This is going to run and run with Hoskins. It will, will be like. 60 years old and he'll still be in the team still be arguing about it but let's move on from him because I, I don't like to hammer him either because he, no. is, he does play for the shirt and everything and he's the top goal scorer at the moment yeah, that's the yeah. sad thing whatever you want to say he's yeah. the best at putting the goal in the net out of what we've got which probably says yeah. a lot I said that didn't I on Twitter it's him then it's Etete who's not even at the club anymore and then it's yeah. two centre-backs and then it's Lewis and that yeah. sort of that does sort of point to, <laughs> it points to a team that's yeah. it's not really based around creativity too much. It's mm. yeah, it's based around power and whatever else. Um, uh, Keith, let's bring you in. Let's try and be a bit, a little bit more positive. Let's talk about promotion, and you know whether covers our promotion side and we're going to keep it going. Um, Keith, are you sort of optimistic that we'll get a little blip out of the way now at sort of a good time and then kick on again for the end of the season or not? <laughs> It's a really difficult one to call because I've not really seen anybody that we've played against that's really bowled me over and certainly not Forest Green, I have to say. Um, seem to spend most of the time lying down screaming, um, <laughs> but running away with the league. They've had a little bit recently as well, I've noticed. Look, we we could nick a few things with set pieces, couldn't we? We could nick a few games, we could get a, a couple more 1-0s and consolidate our place, I guess, now. To an extent, it's not completely in our own hands, is it? There's a few teams lurking below who have games in hand. Yeah. And that's always a, a horrible feeling, um, starting to rely, you know, whether it's for promotion or, or potentially relegation, rely mm. on, on other teams. So we're not, I think we're only four points off eighth place. That might have even been before last night's game. It could be even closer now, I'm not sure. Um, I really don't know. I can imagine us finishing mid-table. I can imagine us going up automatically. Um, I think it really depends whether we can get a little bit of consistency in the performances, which at the moment we, you know, we, we really seem to be struggling with. I'm still hopeful, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's five points to eighth place. Okay. That, yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, a, it shows what a crazy league we're in second yeah. place. And people say, how are we in second? You know, you can either agree with that or not, but second place and then only five points to eighth. So, you know, a couple of losses, I saw any other side in that, that pack and drop out of it. Um, Brendan, you're kind of, you know, an optimistic sort of guy. Um, I said 10th a couple of weeks ago. I just think that we're not really a promotion side from what I can see. And I reckon probably two or three players away from it. Are you keeping the optimism going or is, is it these sort of bitty performances even starting to chip away at you? I, I don't know. Uh, I get really annoyed with people. That there's, it's, it's not just Cobbers fans I'm learning now. It's football fans as a whole. It's, nothing's ever good enough. I saw someone say... Yeah. If you take away our defence and our fullbacks and our goalkeeper, then we're an average side. And I was like, you can, you can say that about anyone. You can say that about Liverpool. Like, if you take away their front three and their goalie and Van Dijk, then they're an average side. So we know what we're good at. And there, there are games where we're not going to be able to do it. You know, 
at the amount of games that have been played at the moment, we're still sat second on top of the pile. And there's a lot, a lot of doom and gloom after a couple of results. But, you know, we are still set. I'm sorry, like, the, we are still there. And it, there is only it's six points from second till ninth. Um, and you look at, like, you know, Exeter have games in hand. So they, they could go into the top three. Mansfield, you know, winning a lot of games and have games in hand. They could go in there. But they still have to go and play all those games the same as we do. And I, it's it's one of those. If you're sat in, as a Mansfield fan with your games in hand, looking at the top three, knowing mathematically it can do it, you're licking your lips and we're looking over our shoulders and nervous. But Mansfield had an awful start to the season. It was terrible. They were down near relegation and then they've just won everything since then. And now they're looking at, at chasing us into automatics would you rather be doing that or would you rather be where we're at uh, where we had a brilliant start we've had a couple of blips but we've got the points on the board I think like uh, psychologically everyone would probably rather be the 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 hunter wouldn't you you don't want to be at the front with every looking behind you but really mathematically uh, statistically we've got the points on the board and and that's the mentality we need to have that we are I think it's creeping into the players a little bit and their performances last night where you're kind of trying to grind things out maybe too much when yeah. you really need to that's the only difference I've seen from Forest Green is they they go on and really finish teams off and most of the time anyway and and some of the more attacking teams in the league that's what they do they they're a bit more ruthless whereas I think we've got this mentality now that like you know we're only going to grind games out one nil two one or whatever and we're going to chip away at second place and we we don't deserve that or whatever um, mm. and you can see that in the fan base as well and I don't know if it's seeping into the players but you know if we go into Saturday knowing that it's a six pointer and, and we're one point better off than this team that everyone's afraid of Tranmere and it's at home and we've got a better record at home there's more to be positive about than there is to be negative and that's just the way we've, we've got to keep seeing it the more negative we are as fans the less you're going to enjoy the game and the more that's going to creep into the players I'll bring Dave in here. I think the difference is maybe between fans now and maybe 10, 20 years ago is that obviously there's the internet now, so fans are a lot more informed. The club have made a play about trying to end this yo-yo culture or yo-yo thing at the football club and trying to get into League One and sustain themselves there. So fans, Dave, they're not they're not as likely now as just to um, you know just pass over worrying or troubling performances are are they the fans are more likely now to say look we're, we're trying to get into league one is this style going to do it you know we, we've, we've seen the direct um, game before from Keith Cole and we were down within a season or two do you know what I mean Dave yeah I do it's a tough one in it I, th- I feel like mm. we have this conversation quite often with regards when we're in league two do we kind of just do what it takes to get up or yeah. do we long-term plan to try and build up side over a couple of years and sustain the league one but it seems in this instance to me at the moment we're doing the former rather than the latter and the fact that if we go up playing like this we're going to come back down I know it's easy to say that you can add players to the team and it might change but if you look at it realistically that's what's going to happen in it and like you say it is easier nowadays because you've got social media everyone's talking about everything aren't they and everyone's got their own opinion but yeah yeah of my would, am I happy with second? If you'd have said to me, would we be second in March at the start of the season with Brady in charge? I'd have said no hope. So I can't come out and say I know everything better than everyone else. That no one knows what's going to happen today. They just yeah. don't. But does is this planning for the future, the way we're playing and the way we're hiring players or keeping them, 
in Hoskins and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go back to Hoskins again, but I don't think he's a League One player. Yet we've given him a two and a half year contract when we're trying to get back into League One. So that tells mm-hmm. me, are we really planning for the future and going up and sustaining League One? Well, I'm not sure that kind of makes sense to me personally. But I don't know. It's a tough Could one. Could I ask there, though, David? Like, he, I mean, he's been around the club a, a long, long time. Clearly knows the dressing room and the staff, everyone else. Scored, I want to say it was 10 goals last season in League One. Having him around the room as someone that knows the, the squad, knows the town, knows the club, can, has scored goals in League One. He was our top goal scorer, even though we went down. Even if he was just a squad player, like, I, d- I don't, yeah, I don't think it's like a lack yeah. of... There's there's not many fans that would sit there and say, if you said to them now, we can not go up or we'll go up. Like it, It's only the most like deluded Cobblers fan who's trying to be a football hipster that would sit there and go, no, we want to we wanna long-term build it. Sometimes you just have to take the, the hands you, you, you're dealt. And I was saying it online this morning when I saw people saying, if you take away our best bits of us as a club, then we're not a very good club, which is just nonsensical. But you look at, like, we came down with Rochdale last season from League One, right? And they were winning all their games. Uh, they were losing all their games 4-3 and 5-4 and all these ridiculous scorelines. And we were going down, playing really crap football, grinding out losses. And now look at where they are. Yeah, we lost to them at the weekend. But they're looking at, like, you know, trying to stay up in the football leagues and that end of the table. It could always be a million times worse. And the grass is always greener on the other side. Like, Rochdale mm-hmm. would have been sat there thinking that they could push on and, and, and bounce back up. If we bounce back up with the, the squad turnover that we had and a new inexperienced, well, relatively inexperienced manager who's building a long-term vision in backroom staff around the club, or at least trying to, with, instead of these like short-term snap appointments of journeyman managers, mm. like, that for me is, is the more positive thing. Like, I, I tried to take a positive spin on the loan signings and say, we're not trying to bloat the squad with players that may not work out. We can either move them on or look to sign them if they work in the summer and we do go up. But then we're not going to be left in the same situation we were when Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank signed 13 useless, I'm not going to swear, but useless players other than... Some of them were quite good, Brendan, to be fair. Yeah, some of them were, but a lot of them weren't. And then we were sat with their wages for for seasons. And and it wasn't just Jimmy signings then. You had loads of others and... But I, Hoskins I isn't a squad player, is he, though, Brendan? Hoskins isn't no, a squad he player. Is, he's he like, is pretty now, much but... first on the team sheet. So it, it does. It, it, it all points to a thread, not a threadbare squad, but a, a squad that's a bit weak. Um, and the football, you know, there's a couple of things on Twitter saying, is it any better, really, than under Keith Cole, you know, to watch? So it's there's there's loads of good stuff going on, but it just feels there's a, a little bit of a disconnect in certain areas. And I think that's a reasonable point. But I also think your point is reasonable as well. So it's it's hard to. There's long-term vision in areas of the club. Don't get me wrong, and and I I, I don't know. I just feel we. I would feel more, I, again. I'll go back in the the, the Wallach archives. I said when we went up under Curl, I actually think we should say thank you so much for all of that, but we're going to go another way because we all knew yeah. it then. But and I, I admit that I said that, but I would feel more positive about this setup we've got with Brady Calderwood and. Rico to to recruit better and keep us up. I'm not saying that it would happen, but I definitely feel a lot more positive. And I think that backroom setup is is a lot more future thinking than people are are giving credit to. Yeah, I just one slight concern is there might be a tendency towards the Dower side of football with with Calderwood, and he's you know he's vastly experienced. I remember when he was there before his manager. The indications I'm getting at the moment is 
you know, there is a, a, a tendency to go towards trying to, you know, one nil here and there and strong defence and stuff. And yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out, but we'll see. It's only, the, you know, if it's a dynasty for them pair, it's only a year in. So we'll see. I think, um, if I could just go back to what Brendan was saying, you mentioned yeah. it a couple of times that I'm saying um, people are saying, oh, you take the defence away and you're not a very good team or whatever. But I think it's, in my eyes, it's the opposite way. It's the frustration is we have got such a good defence. If we could just recruit a couple, we, I've been saying this since September. In my opinion, we've got five or six good players, two or three very good players, and the rest are all much of a muchness. So it's the frustration of if we could just get the, a couple right in the midfield or up front, then we would be up there with Forest Green because our defence is that good. I was looking earlier, I think we've scored more than one goal in one out of the last 12 games, and that's not sustainable. So, do you know I, what I mean? I, but then, uh, and and that's a really good point. But the only I said it again a couple of weeks ago. I think uh, our our system and like how Coldwood potentially has had his input on the squad, it, the reason we're a better defending team and we don't score as many goals. We have some of the better defensive players in the league. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's also the way that we're playing is that like the formation and the system and and all that everything that we're set up as a team leans that way to to. Uh, you know that that that's yeah, why we're yeah. not scoring as many goals and why we've got a better defense. I don't think it's just the case of like if you plug in some amazing attackers, we do better because we'd have to go for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do, it, you can see it e- either way. I don't think yeah. the problem is the defense or even the attack at the moment. It's the lack of options in midfield. Mm. Uh, and, and and when it's when it wasn't working last night, like it was for Lewis and and McWilliams, there was nothing we could change. Um, and that's where the other squads around us well concede that they've got us is they've they've got a bit of depth in the midfield. But I think our depth in defence and up top is actually all right, you know. Mm. Yeah, let's uh yeah, let's sort of uh wrap that one up now. We could talk about that all night and it's yeah we'll see on Saturday how that pans out in terms of strength in depth. Yeah, I'll just bring you in, Keith. I saw just a couple of people and I we shouldn't really amplify too many voices on Twitter because it's just people just shouting into the thin air really isn't it but um a couple of people saying or one person i saw saying that you know brady's uh you know position as manager should be questioned after this is, is that an overreaction and do you think that brady should be given you know benefit of the doubt and a long tenure well i think he's still on a learning curve for me and you know you could say and i think i've said it shouting into the air on twitter myself probably his learning curve at the end of last season may have played a part in in putting us into League Two, but I've certainly seen improvement. I think, again, recently, we seem to have gone back to where we started a little bit with with John Brady, where substitutions seemed quite quite late and quite unfathomable. But earlier on in the season, that seemed to have improved significantly. And I don't know if that just really shows he doesn't have a great deal of confidence in the players he's got on the bench, which is possibly understandable in, in some cases. Certainly not. I mean, I didn't expect us to be anywhere near second this yep. season. Part of me feels that a large part of that is because League Two is, is really low quality. But you've you've still got to be you've still got to win games, haven't you? You've still got to get points to be second. So I no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be thinking that at all at the moment. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Yeah, and as we said, he's mainly been a non-league manager and uh, and in EFL. Manager's role is going to be a, like you said, a huge learning curve for him. Mm-hmm. He's probably ahead of schedule. It's a fairly 
thin squad. So let's give him a couple of seasons to see what he can really do. And uh, as we've also said before, what are the options uh, apart from him? Not another manager off the merry-go-round. I think we're all sick of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, Tom, the test will come. If we say we go up, then yeah. what what might happen? What decision might be made if we're struggling at the bottom of this one? Do we, do we continue with the project? Do we, do we let us risk going down again and coming straight back down to League Two? Or will we get cold feet on the long-term project and the building for the future and, and put a journeyman in? Mm. Um, I know I'm fast-forwarding a bit there and it might not happen, but that that would be interesting. Yeah, I think it's, it depends what project you can buy into at that point. If we do go up and we're in League One, you know, yeah. and if there is a struggle, what project we're trying to buy into. At the moment, there's a lot of good stuff and I, I completely agree with what James Whiting said about consistency and I've been banging that drum for ages about trying to build the backroom staff up and keep it all, you know in order so that's that's going really well but then it's just the football side of things a little bit jarring with certain uh you know games we played but i guess we are jumping the gun a bit there let's just see how it goes in the next couple of games let's move on to some of the off the pitch stuff with the sixfield saga the land deal and re- redevelopment and get it out of the way which is kind of the feeling around the whole thing anyway um last week there's a full council meeting where keith spoke uh, on the sixfields redevelopment and land deal and various options were voiced and opinions. Then the club has made a statement saying they had made a new offer to satisfy the council's stated objectives. The club have agreed to match Sildara's capital payment of 2.5 million. The whole athletics track transfers to NTFC following completion. If there is ever any development on any part of the athletics track, NTFC will agree it can only be used for the benefit of NTFC or the community. NTFC is still required to complete the East End and an overage provision to West Northampton Council on a sale of the CDNL land. Sorry for uh, boring everyone listening. We just got to go through all the main points quickly. Uh, then there was a very short cabinet meeting in which uh, decision was delayed. And on Wednesday, West Northampton Council announced that the matter would be considered a cabinet meeting on Tuesday, March the 8th. Now, that little preamble, Keith, is almost as long as the um, bloody redevelopment saga. I think it was first mooted in 2012. So if you add it all up, I think the First and Second World War were fought and settled in a shorter period. Um Keith, like, what is the trust line on things in a nutshell now? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. It's it's a similar line. I think on the face of it, this looks this could be really good. Um, it could be really good because it it basically covers everything that the trust has said would potentially give us some insurance if things go south with the the land that's earmarked for for sale for development. Yeah. It still relies upon the owners doing what they say they'll do. Um, I'm personally, and we haven't had a trust meeting this week, but I'm, I'm starting to thaw a little bit because they've made the commitment so incredibly publicly now, and they've brought in so many people to support their position in in the PR that they put out in the lead up to the the initial council meeting that myself and Andy um, spoke at. That it's it's going to be in such public view, isn't it? I, I guess the only thing yeah. that slightly concerns me is people do have short memories. So, you know, will will the chief exec of the of the rugby club and you know will will the guy from um, the cricket club will they pay as close attention to whether you know things are getting done in the way that that Kelvin and James have said they will do them? Yeah. So for me, it's it's not about trying to delay anything. It's just about trying to seek assurances. Um, because past behaviour, and I'm sorry if people have heard me speak about this before, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing. Past behaviour doesn't necessarily indicate that what they say will happen will happen. But we'll, we'll get to the point. Look, we're not we're not in control of this, are we? But I'm I'm feeling like this this could go well. 
but you know whilst the ownership structure in football is so reliant and gives power to so few people over a club there's risk associated with everything isn't there mm, yeah i find it quite interesting that there's been this robust relationship in the inverted commas between the club and the trust and it now seems to be boiling down to a straight bidding war between the club owners and and sildara whoever they are um do you think the club owners envisage counter bids and you know and that's not, sure, it's not even yeah. going to the market either i'm not sure anybody did um it's interesting that the council entertained it when to me it seemed to be a closed shop between the owners and um and the council uh, yeah. look i'm 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 pretty upset by the fact that this has happened i think if if all this hadn't been delayed if it hadn't been strung out for such a long time then an opportunist wouldn't have had a chance to come in and, and make a bid mm. i think look i'm not interested in best value for the taxpayer and apologies to anybody who, who might be i'm interested in the future of northampton town football club i'm not sure that an extra million pounds would necessarily be invested in an amazing way for the town anyway so i'm purely interested in getting the best for northampton town and i think the fact that this delay has then led to somebody saying do you know what that land's worth twice as much more than twice as much as the club have bid for it and now potentially the club may have to pay more to get the or the club or you know cdnl may have to pay more to get that land that's not financially necessarily great for the club either so you know the, the delays that have happened have not necessarily been great I, I didn't expect a decision on monday because i don't think the council could you know the council debated in full the full council debated the original proposal so i'm not sure then the cabinet can meet and discuss a different proposal and agree that i don't think that would be a good look at all mm -hmm. so as soon as that you know revised proposal came in i thought that looks great potentially great but then i also thought well we're not going to get a decision now straight away so it, it does delay it, and I don't think the council really had any choice but to but to delay the decision. When I saw the news from the football club that the whole athletics track uh, transfers to NTFC following the completion of the project, um, I was I was quite astounded and, and, and mm -hmm. pleased really uh, on the face of it. I'd obviously spoken to Team Shoebox about you know uses for the land, and on the face of it, that whole athletics track becomes a sort of a blank canvas for community use and. You know, land, as we see, has got a value and, and and a use and stuff. So that completely opens up a whole new, you know, a ball game to what can what can benefit the club and the community and stuff like that. And that so that really like excited me. And I looked at like some of the the wording, and we the devil always is in the detail in these sort of things. And you know, we've seen it from the football club a little bit before. They they're very precise in their words. So therefore, you've got to be precise in what you understand about it. So they put, if there is ever any development on any part of the athletics track, NTFC will agree it can only be used for the benefit of NTFC or the community. So the first thing I thought was, right, what happens if it's deemed that the good of the community, they're going to build, you know, logistics on there because it provides jobs? Or what happens if they agree or they say that they're going to build houses on that land and try and pay back some of the debts to the owners because housing is good for the community? So my sort of vision of having that blank canvas for the football club and the community sort of is changed if that's the case and that's where i'd like to see some clarity you know before that meeting or you know if, if possible to say that you know specifically what they think that it will be used for and what it won't and that will give the fans as usual a lot more of an educated understanding of things Keith. that's important yeah i agree and it's it it is it is tough because we are always potentially looking at what is the worst possible outcome of these words you know if you if you examine these words closely what's the worst thing that can happen 
and then potentially what's the best thing that could happen and, mm. and what do you think is likely to happen mm. and i i guess look we've made very little progress in what is it now six years under these owners so we haven't actually got a pattern to see what happens when they have an initiative because there haven't really been any so we haven't really got any anything to go by and that, that's i guess why i'm a little bit cagey <laughs> when, when i'm looking at things like this I think the progression thing is an abstract concept. It's open for debate, isn't it? We've got promoted, we've got relegated, we've got promoted, all that sort of thing. And um, yeah, that's that's up for debate. That will run and run that thing. But um, without counting any chickens about saying that that land is going to be used beautifully for the community and the, the, the club, the Trust have obviously had a quite a firm line on protecting that land. Do you feel sort of vindicated that you've taken a fair amount of flag, but now the club have moved from, I think, none of the athletics track to half and then the full thing? Do you feel sort of vindicated for the, the, the fight you part for your athletics track? I think we've had, I feel like the trust has had an influence. As I say, how it pans out will be, will be the key, won't it? I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen some people have said um, on the hotel end, which I, I struggle with because hardly anybody uses their real name on the, on the hotel end. So I yeah. never know who's, who's really talking, but saying, oh, well done trust. You've cost the club a million pounds. Um, we don't have that. We've not had really, I don't think, any influence over the timescales of this. I really don't think we have at all. I think the council's concerns are more around how they look, the history of the club, the history of the missing millions and being under scrutiny with this deal. I, 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 we've been, the trust have been the last to know about some things. Other things we've been kept pretty well informed. So whether whether we can claim any part in, in this, <laughs> yeah, I think we've I think we've had an influence. But I wouldn't claim any vindication until we go however many years down the line it takes um, to see where we end up, Tom. That's the difficulty mm. with it. Brendan, you're you know, a very loyal fan, travel from London every week, mainly talk about stuff on the pitch and uh, all the trials and tribulations of cobblers. Um, I'm sort of teetering towards if there's a, a good deal which protects the athletics tract. And we talked about that ourselves with the new hotel end and all you know, the stuff that can be done with the club. Are you sort of teetering now towards if that athletic charts can be put to good use, that uh, you know, that there should be a deal soon. Kind of. Um, uh, I realise that's not the best answer. I think yeah. it's indicative of uh, maybe like the wider politics and the world that there's a, like a binary choice now. It was like Brexit, you're either in or out, and then now with <laughs> with the with the um, the stand, it's kind of you either get it done or you're kind of I don't know pro trust and let's explore. Why isn't there a third option? I, I know that the lotto is 20 million this weekend. So my plan is to keep buying lottery tickets and eventually um, have the money to buy the club myself and do whatever I want with it. And because I have so much money, <laughs> um, you know, that's that's the kind of that's where I, I look at it. I I go back to what I said the other week. It feels like it's it's being the the whole thing is being decided by people that have no idea what the people who it will affect what they want it just doesn't do you know what I mean We're, again which is indicative of politics do you know what I mean it's just mm. I feel like they don't know what I want from it they don't know what the average fan wants from it what will really help they're looking at they might think they do they might say that this is the best interest of the club or the county or whatever else it is but I don't think they've actually asked the average person um the average person doesn't necessarily have a twitter account or the time to go on youtube and watch a uh, a council meeting or or even confident voicing their opinions in in any way that they might take um i just know that the that what they've got is the kind of the best fit at the moment um 
it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best option. That's that's my kind of take on it. Yeah, I I've been sort of fighting. We've both been sort of fighting hard to an extent on trying to improve facilities for your everyday fan and to try and get something positive out of this whole thing because it's been such a negative yeah. i speak to people that don't sport cobbers and they're always asking me how's that stand and they're, they're from far and wide from overseas everywhere they all know about it so and we're going to probably have some court cases at some point to do with the six fields missing millions which is going to really drag things down even further so i really think we need something more positive you know, like Alan Partridge said, we need another po- positive to outdo the uh, negative. <laughs> that was two negatives, and now I need another positive. That's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, let's build a, an aerodrome and have a rave on it. Uh, <laughs> no, um, no, I, no, I just, I do think we do need something uh, distinctly positive to come out of it. And I don't think a car park does it. And I don't think that stand does it. And I think that land hopefully is now a blank canvas Obviously, I don't I don't just sit there and criticise. You know, I brought together the ho- new hotel end. I think that the tie-in between music and football would be brilliant for the everyday punter, brilliant for the town. I think a tie-in with the boxing club would absolutely galvanise everything, galvanise the football club, galvanise the land. Those two things on a match day would be absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, let's sort of wrap up. We've been talking for a while and let's see if something does come out of it. And I think to wrap up on the land deal thing, the club have said that, the um, athletics track would be used for community or club use and I hope if it does go through that they, they stick to the they honour that the, um, the the sort of the truth of that and uh, something really good does does come out of it but um, thanks a lot Keith for coming on I really appreciate you giving up your time for it and giving a, you know a little bit more of a, a voice to some of the stuff you said at the council meeting and thanks a lot Brendan and um, Dave and we'll all speak again soon thanks a lot cheers guys cheers, Tom. cheers, cheers guys 